Hi, and welcome to the Small Business MBA. My name is Yasmin Ali. An issue I often see in small businesses is that there is not a steady stream of sales. In other words, sometimes there's a big influx of sales, and at other times there's nothing at all. Now, this can be very dangerous for a business because this unpredictability can make a business seem unprofessional and can scare would-be clients. But it can also get entrepreneurs very frustrated at the feeling of stopping and starting. Let's first look at why we feel frustrated. Firstly, it means that planning is very difficult. And while as entrepreneurs, we know that nothing ever goes according to plan, we also know that it is important to know where we're going. It feels like we have no control. And like every time we start getting somewhere, we get halted in some way. But is this really true? Most entrepreneurs do not have a clear picture of where their sales stand at any given point. Their sales plans are haphazard and based purely on their reactions to the opportunities that they see. In other words, they have no idea of what their sales pipeline looks like. A sales pipeline is essentially an understanding of which sales you expect to come through. In other words, everything that you're working on with an estimation of your probability of success. So, for example, if you're working on a 1 million rand deal, but you've only met with a buyer once, and his indication has simply been that they may be interested, chances are you're sitting at a 25% probability at max. That would then mean that this deal would translate into 250,000 rand in your pipeline. You then do this for all your prospective sales, including those closed but not yet delivered. This will give you a healthy overview of your whole sales overview. Reviewing this pipeline is a key component of working on your business, as sales are the lifeblood of every company. Often the actual problem is that we do not actually consistently invest time into chasing new business or the exact opposite. We spend so much time chasing new business that we do not take care of our current clients. These two pieces of our sales strategy are called hunting and farming. Essentially, we eat either by going out to look for our food or by staying with what we know. Let's look at what this means for our business. Farming is predictable. Farming means that we do the exact same thing for the exact same results over and over and over again. Like a farmer who plants crops and knows exactly when he can harvest those crops and what yield he'll get, Entrepreneurs who are natural farmers are able to predict exactly what their sales will, will be from their trusted clients and what that would mean in the business. These tend to be lifestyle entrepreneurs looking to make enough money to comfortably live without necessarily needing to build an empire. They want the simplicity of knowing how to deal with their customers and how to keep them happy. They also do not invest much in changing or developing their products. What they have works and has always worked for their clients. So why change it? The problem with farming is that people often change their minds who they want to do business with. If there is, for example, a change in the management structure, this may affect the sales drastically and you may even lose that client in favor of someone different. And typically, farmers rely on a small group of customers. So the loss of one sale means that the business is put at serious risk and may not be able to cover that shortfall. Now on to hunting. The aggressive hunter is always on the lookout for the next metaphorical kill. Nothing excites them more than the prospect of a new sale. They will make up new products, create new delivery methodologies, and change the way that things work very quickly, provided that it will lead them to a new sale.
Then, of course, they have to work like the flash to make it a reality by the time the customer expects delivery. They usually do not have many overly loyal clients because by the time they go back to that client, the product offering may have changed so much that it's no longer a viable option. But that doesn't bother them. They're quickly on to the next customer. These entrepreneurs are focused on growth and the sales column on the income statement are the most important indicator of growth to them. The problem here is that so much time and energy is often spent on the new sales side that there's no time to, to take care of the current client. So what is the right approach for your business? Well, most people would suggest a combination of the two. This would, however, also mean that you would have to grow your capacity to deliver as more clients that you've hunted become farmed, with even more hunting happening. So yes, if you want to grow your business, you need to do both. But if you want to sustainably grow your business, you need to build all the processes in your business to match this. But because we have a natural tendency towards one, it means that we have to manage our level of engagement on either end. In other words, if we gravitate more towards hunting, we need to put specific effort into farming or vice versa. The important thing is to at all times have a strategy around your pipeline and know where your sales are coming from. After the break, we talk to an entrepreneur in the fast-moving consumer goods industry, learning the art of not resting on your laurels when your farming is going well. Join us after the break. Welcome back. I'm now joined by Rishav from Rocky Brands to tell us about his hunting and farming story. Rishav, welcome. Hi, hi. How are you? Good, good. Okay, so you are one of those entrepreneurs that I kind of always think, how do you manage to do it? You're one of the most dynamic entrepreneurs I know. Um, it's sort of by just telling us what you do. What is Rocky Brands and what do you do? So we are um, the sole distributors of um, the Wyman and Wrights brand in South Africa. Okay. And um, we have the uh, distributor rights for Africa. So it's a premium range of household polish on the market, like okay. stainless steel polish, granite and marble polish. And okay. um, we supply maybe 60% of uh, retail in South Africa, the games, the macros, the pick and pays, spas. Okay, yep. so where did it where did it start for you? So uh, you know what was the what was what was that first contract where you thought to yourself, yes, made it. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the first contracts that we had was Game. Uh, this was back in two thousand and twelve. Okay. So um, after persistently calling the buyers over seventeen, uh, sorry, seven months, um, we finally got a meeting with them. And uh, at the time, I was twenty one years old, and they couldn't understand how. <laughs> A 21-year-old could add value <laughs> to a multi-billion rand <laughs> enterprise. So uh, they gave me the opportunity. I um, had a, about a 15 or 20-minute uh, time slot for me to present. Um, and they loved um, the marketing plan that we had and mm -hmm. how we were going to execute it. And um, so game uh, came on. They gave us uh, three stores to try out. Mm -hmm. And within a month, we sold about 80% of the stock that we had in. And it's the first time it has ever been exposed to the South African public. And uh, that's when we knew we were onto something. And uh, from there, they opened up us nationally to all the stores. Okay. And uh, that was our first big break. That was back in 2012. So let's talk about let's talk about at that at that time when you when you got that that re that first contract right 
you're saying like this consistent and persistent calling. Um, how long was it? How long was it um, for you to actually secure that contract from the first call that you made? So from the first call, it was um, seven months. So it took me seven months of persistently calling the buyers and the PAs and telling them <laughs> why I should have my products in, ga in the game stores. And um, eventually, you know, after getting fed up and hearing <laughs> all the phones bang on the, uh, the dial pad, um, you know, you just got to understand that this is the road that, um, you know, we, cho we, we chose actually. And uh, <coughs> so now I understand that you got to leave your ego at the door. And 21 yep. at the time, <laughs> I didn't have much of an ego. We don't have much responsibilities either. And uh, so for me, it was just a matter of, you know, constantly calling the guys mm -hmm. and explaining to them why we were better than the competition. And, um, and yeah, so it was a, it was a, cup, um, a couple of things. It was better pricing, more mm -hmm. marketable, and um, we just had a better brand, uh, you know. Okay. And um, yeah, so from there, after that, we got in um, game sister company, which is Macro. Mm -hmm. And um, that's where the first two big customers came on. And um, when you're 22 years old and you see <laughs> income of like four or 500,000 a month, it really, really... <laughs> It uh, gets your heart pumping. <laughs> and then the ego arrives, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it comes as a territory, but you just got to stay humble. You have to stay humble. Okay, so you've got your first, your first major retailer, right? You've got, you've got Game, you've got Macro, these big names. Um, you know, you're 22 and, and, and coining it. There must have been a temptation to just kind of sit back and go, okay, made it, done. This is this is life. I'll get people to do stuff, and I'll just go and you know sit on the beach and and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> At first, those are the thoughts that run through your mind, <laughs> and then you walk into other retail stores like Spa, Pick and Pay, and you realize, hey, you know what? Why am I not here? <laughs> and what's stopping me right now from being there? <laughs> and um, you know, one of the things that you got to do is stay current, and. Uh, go into my different stores and understand what and how the competition is doing a little bit, you know, uh, being a little bit more proactive than mm -hmm. you are. And we are up against, you know, the big guys, Unilever and, and Record and so forth. So keep in mind, these guys have budgets that are through <laughs> the roof, you know. And um, what can we do now to stay um, abreast? You know, that's the most important thing. Okay. I want to go back to the seven or eight months that you struggled yeah. to, 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 to get that first, that first signature. How did you manage to keep the company afloat during that time? Because a lot of the time, what entrepreneurs go, what entrepreneurs say is, nah, you know, I need to, I need to just feed, you know, the farm because, because you know, it's paying, it's paying the bills. Um, you know, I can't go out hunting. So how do you keep the business going during that time? Well, one of the things um, you got to do is. <laughs> you have to be passionate. I think, f you know, the first thing mm. is first. You've got to be yeah. passionate about it. And you have to understand that having so many stores on, you can, I mean, they had like 120, uh, we were open to 120 stores. So by the time you cover 40 stores or 60 stores, the month is over. And, mm. you know, so for you to actually cover all the stores, it'll take you three months. So there's always something to do. And you need to um, just understand that, there's no time to rest. Yeah, you have to be at it all the time. And uh, as one as uh, I mean, um, one of the urban poets <laughs> said that uh, 
You know, I don't wear a watch. The time is now or never. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's awesome. So, you know, you have to act. If, if an idea comes to your mind, you've got to act with it now, you know? Yeah. And uh, I suppose that goes a lot to, to, to understanding your customer as well and understanding their different requirements. And I mean, for you, that's kind of weird because you're not selling to the end user. You're selling to the, the retailer. So how do you keep abreast of what both your client, the retailer, as well as um, their client, the end user, who ultimately is the person that you want to buy this, um, is, is thinking? How do you keep current? So, good question. One of the things that I like to do personally is on the weekends, um, I like to go into store and understand how the customer shops. If they pick up our product, how long they're picking it up for and whether they just walk right past mm. it. So by doing that, we can implement a whole lot of strategy in a working week for us to get a customer to purchase. So. Our customers are LSM 9 and 10, you know, a lot of um, uh, extra income to spend, yeah. you know. Um, so we need to understand that our product is an impulse purchase. They see it, they like it, and they realize yeah. what they need it. So we don't want to um, put too much of uh, information on our product. We want it to say exactly what it is. And by doing that, we, we, we hone into a specific need and that's only you can only do that if you go into the store and um, understand exactly what it is that the customer wants and you know a lot of friends of mine in the in the fmcg um, uh, group they tell me that uh, they would never go into stores <laughs> because they got the merchandising company to run this and i disagree with that completely because the merchandising company mm -hmm. would never give you this inside information you would as the owner of a business you have to go in and start putting the strategy together on your own. Um, and the only thing the guys are going to do is merchandise your stock, make sure the PI labels mm -hmm. and everything is up. And uh, they're not going to give you that insight. Um, and they're not going to see the, your product through your eyes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's fast forward. You've sure. got this cushy sort of, you know, w uh, look, I mean, that's what people think, right? Yeah. <laughs> the perception <laughs> is yeah. this cushy um, contract. Yeah. Um, but you're, that hasn't stopped you from going out there to other retailers as well and getting, getting your brand onto, uh, into other stores. What are you, what are you doing now to, um, to grow your business? Well, one of the things that, um, okay, I'll tell you something that we did a few, um, um, a few years ago, but it catapulted us into the area that we wanted to be in. Mm -hmm. So one of the, you know, my understanding was um, I needed to get my, s my products into DeFi because DeFi is one of the largest, um, large appliance manufacturers mm -hmm. in the country. Yeah. And I wanted my samples in or to put samples into every single uh, product that they manufacture. Yeah. So it took me two years to sign up with this contract and I knew that this is going to be the way for us to move and we will then have customers coming into store demanding this product because it came as a sample um, in you know with your actual uh, finished good so th what that did for me on a marketing level is absolutely um, crazy because i mean i imagine that then the customer walking into the store and uh, you know whether they, they purchase the appliance or walking into their local uh, retailer demanding this product and you know they're not carrying it on the store I imagine that's caused a lot of demand for you exactly. rather than you having to go and do the selling so that's what 
happened in Pick and Pay, we were only in game, at the time we were with game, mm -hmm. um, macro and spa. And because our sample packs infiltrated into uh, the larger plants departments of the, of the Pick and Pay Hypers, mm -hmm. we started, the product started developing its own demand, <laughs> where customers came in and said, hey, you know what, I bought this appliance from here, and I don't want to go to another retailer, I want to do my entire basket of shopping here at your store. And um, so we got a call from the buyer, and he's like, uh, hey, you, um, <laughs> <laughs> we you found, yeah, so, I mean, uh, at, uh, look, two years ago, I didn't understand that this is <laughs> the, the rollover effect it would have. No. And, um, but yeah, that's so, so that is what we're currently doing, and uh, it's, it's shown fruit. And um, I think uh, in terms of the hunting, I personally am a hunter. I love that. Uh, you know, one of the things mm -hmm. that is um, I pride myself on is every week I would like to get two new customers on, mm -hmm. be it a small customer, it doesn't really matter. The fact that they're buying from you is that that's that's it. So um, one of the contracts that we recently got on was the Houtring and okay. uh, they clean by uh, Tsebo Cleaning. And um, every month they purchase from us and um, you know, that's that's a customer now for life because they've seen the fruits of it. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. I know that you're working on so many more yeah. hunting contracts as well. But I think that you've, you've really helped um, our viewers understand that you can't just sit back on your laurels um, when that first big ones come through. Thank you so much for being here. Sure. Thanks. My pleasure. After the break, I wrap up and give you some tips on how to create your own hunting and farming strategy. Welcome back. This week in the wrap-up, I want to give you a task to put the lesson into action, and that is to create your own pipeline. Now, while many types of software exist that will automatically calculate this for you, all you really need is to create an Excel spreadsheet. In the first column, have the client name. If you sell directly to individual customers, you may decide to group these together by geographic area or demographic or maybe salesperson, depending on your business. The next column talks to the possible size of the sale. While there is no actual rule about this, I prefer going with the most pessimistic view. This means that anything above what we predict is a bonus. Next, we have to calculate the probability of success. A closed contracted deal is 100% probability. If all objections have been positively handled, but the deal is not signed, this would probably be about an 80% probability. On the other end of the scale, a first meeting with a client making some positive noises but no buy-in would maybe be 20%. In the next column, have a calculation of the real value of the deal, which is the potential value, multiplied by the probability. Finally, we have a column for the expected date. This gives us a chance to plan the resources and capacity that we need in order to deliver. A key for this tool to work is, of course, to keep this updated. I strongly suggest updating whenever something changes, but at the very least, this should be done as a weekly exercise. In this way, you will always know what sales action your business needs, be it hunting, farming, or planning. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode. Join us next time when we continue on our sales journey.